and we're sitting and talking today with Jay Flewillen, who has been in the improv game here in Portland for eight years, having trained at Curious Comedy Theater, and... What else can you tell us, Jay? Well, I'm. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I've been doing improv for eight years. I love comedy. I've uh, been doing it very seriously for about five years. Eight years ago, I signed up for a class at Curious Comedy Theater. I was addicted, and I've never, never turned back. I love improv. You still play at Curious Comedy? Oh yeah, I'm one of the main stage players. I play on their flagship show, Showdown, every Friday and Saturday at seven thirty. It's short form. It's medium form games, and it's. A whole ball of wax. Uh-huh. Um, and that's uh, Curious Comedy Theater. That's out on uh, ML King and... It's like, in between Alberta and Killingsworth. Right. In northeast Portland. Yeah, it's a, it's a rad, very unique theater. And it's possibly the most unique comedy theater in the country. Dare I say, the world. Because uh, it just got this really amazing grant and they renovated the whole theater. And so there is a legitimate television studio installed in Curious and so it's really changed the whole game as far as submission tapes and what they're able to accomplish and it, it really I really believe that you know in the comedy world definitely in improv but maybe larger extending to comedy as far as like stand-up and submission tapes there was a time now for Curious filming and then now there is the time. So it's like, you know, it's like your submission tape is either like filmed at Curious Comedy Theater in Portland, Oregon, or not. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really, that's, I think that's the distinction. Right. And it's uh, one of those clubs that, well, like most in Portland, doesn't cost an arm and a leg to go see a show there. No, no. It's like there's late shows that are even cheaper if it's like, you know, you want to go see some comedy on a dime. Um, but, you know, the flagship shows, and there's shows six days a week uh, or maybe even seven now with all the renovations like they're having storytelling shows there they're having rentals they're having stand-up specials improv of course late night shows there's a whole list of programming that is really filled up the schedule of curious uh-huh and um there's not only um improv but there's also stand-up right? yeah uh, there's stand-up shows that I mean, you'd have to check the schedule for what's there. There's rentals, and like part of the new equipment and the grant that came with it is promoting women in comedy. And so they five shows a year are women stand-ups coming in from you know all over the country, all over the world, filming their stand-up specials or one-woman shows, and then as a service to them, it's given back to the community. You've also um, you've worked the other other theaters around town, like the Brody, right? Yeah, you know, I'm just down for good improv. So, you know, I'm a main stage player at Curious, but I have my own troupe. I just started a new duo. I'm down for jams. So it's like, I, you know, I performed everywhere. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, I find the good improv. So like the Brody, you know, the Siren Theater I've rented out. Um, I've been asked to be on shows and festivals. You know, my team goes places and, you know. Yeah. I'm all about it. The Witch Theater? Uh, the Siren Theater, like I'll rent that one out. That's a newer one. Uh, That's the one downtown. Yeah, in Chinatown. Yeah, it used to be the Chinese uh, Tong yeah. headquarters. Right? Yeah, it was. Well, it was a Mandarin school, so when you oh, perform yeah. there, it does feel like you're at a spelling bee. <laughs> uh, but it, it is a beautiful theater. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned the, the troupe. Uh, is, is that the J names? J names. Yeah. J names is 
my pride and joy. I, I'm so honored that they will play with me and you know, follow me into hell and back. <laughs> I just, you know, it, it's it's my main independent group. Uh, it's kind of my main focus as far as improv goes. I mean, Curious is my bread and butter, but J Names is really the joy of good improv. And it's actually, you know, so it's like it started about three years ago and it was just me and my buddy Jake Michaels and my friend Jen Hunter. And they were all curious people. And, you know, we just did this competitive improv show. You know, if you win by audience vote, you come back again and again and again. And it's a show that I produced, Friday Night Fights. And we just won. And we kept winning and winning and winning. And then Jake was out of town or Jen was out of town. And I was like, oh, well. You know, what about my friend Janet? And well, then there's Jet. And well, what about John? You know, and so then I just started adding people, and pretty soon I had a whole crew of J names, and they just happened to be <laughs> just the most veteran improvisers. I mean, they were all well-oiled, you know, five years, ten year plus improvisers, and they were just at the top of their game. And I was so honored that they would, you know, do these shows. And then so we. We just finished that competitive show, and I was like, well, I need to keep this going. I mean, this is, there's something special here, and I just kept producing shows and making opportunities for them and making sure that I recorded all of our sets and used those recording and built a website and started getting credentials with festivals, submitting to festivals, and we've been accepted. Our first festival was the Vancouver International Improv Festival three years ago, and then we went to San Diego, and we've been to Seattle Festival of Improvised Theater twice, Denver. We were accepted into the Out of Bounds Comedy Festival, which is a larger, kind of a, a big festival out of Austin, Texas, a stand-up and sketch and video, and like a lot of other things that were going on. And then our this most is, recent accomplishment was San Francisco Sketch Fest, which was... This is at South by Southwest? Uh, no, it's uh, Out of Bounds Comedy Festival. South by Southwest is primarily music. Well, no, it, it's all kinds of stuff now. Oh, hot damn. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, that's next. For, yeah. For the J-namers. Yeah, it's it's a really big show. It's, it's improv, it's stand-up, it's music, it's films. It's, uh, yeah, it's everything, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I love Austin. And, you know, I've been yeah. there several times. And James yeah, loves I lived, Austin. I lived there for four years, so it was... Oh. Great time. Good times. Too damn hot, but... <laughs> too, too damn hot. Everything else is great. Well, and, and, you know, like, you're like... You could, it's easy to forget that you're in Texas. Yes, that's exactly. There's 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 Texas, and then there's Austin. Two radically different things. A different world. Right. Yeah. But J Names loves, loves Austin. We try to go down there. Uh, we're waiting to hear back from Outbounds again. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're my troop, love them, and, you know, it's just kind of based off of a show at the Brody called Diabolical Experiments, where it's like, they have their house team players, but then they invite veteran improvisers from the community, from other theaters, to just come and jam, and it's just, yeah. this, it's this experiment, what's going to happen, and most of the time, it's magic, and it's just relying on the principle that nobody's rusty, we are at the top of our game. When we come together, we are going to click in, work hard, gel up as a team, and then just put on a good show. And so, you know, we don't really rehearse. And, you know, I set everything up so that all these players can just show up and have fun. And uh -huh. and we usually will have a dinner before we sit down and we just, you know, we're friends. You know, we're friends and we enjoy each other's company and we really like settle in and then warm up really hard and then we hit the stage and I mean it's just go. You know, it's yeah. go time. 
Is it just a coincidence that everybody's name began with Jack? I mean, I mean that was like the shtick that I started with, which is this like fun little group. And then once I started pulling people in, then the coincidence is like, wow, like all of these really good improvisers have J names. I mean, there's only like one or two people, you know, top ten improvisers of Portland who don't have a J name. Was what I kind of started thinking. You like Stacy Halal, Leon Anderson, Katie Barons. I mean, like that. And they're not allowed to be in the group. They're not allowed. (laughs) Yeah, I've actually I've only cheated once. Which was for the second time that we were asked back to come to Vancouver and perform, and that you know I just didn't have enough players who were available to make it up the trip, and yeah. I asked my buddy Craig McCarthy to join us and to perform with a non de plume with a J right. name of his choosing, and so he performed as JPEG McCarthy, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was really great. Well, all the people in the group don't don't show up for a particular show, right? It's it's it kind of revolves. I mean, for the most part, there's a core group. You know, I'll send out an availability email, like, hey, we got this show coming up. Like, we just moved to Curious Comedy Theater, so we were at the Siren for a long time. And so uh-huh. our next, we've got this great time slot every fifth Friday. Uh-huh. So we've got three shows lined up for the rest of 2017. Uh, one's coming up June 30th. Uh-huh. And so we'll be headlining that show at Curious, and, like, we'll have an opener. And actually, a really hot shot stand-up who's coming in from Austin, Texas, Vanessa Gonzalez, and she just won second funniest person for Austin, Texas' stand-up competition. So she, I think she's the next Ian Carmel, like, of that kind of level, and I've been a fan of hers for years, because, you know, James has been going to these festivals all around the country for three years now, and meeting people, and we actually have met new J-Names people who I just get this feeling, I can see their play, I can under... I just, just I get a feeling, I just know that they are good enough to be in the group, and they have a J-Name. Yeah, there's this gentleman, Jake Ferg, from Bellingham, Washington. He's gone to Denver with us, he's done Seattle with us. You know, he, you know, he might do more festivals with us, for sure. And then there's a couple people from Austin, John Bolden and then Jessica Arger, yeah, who are, you know, they're just dynamite improvisers with J-Names, and I was like, do you want to do this thing? And you know, and when they would just jump in and like kind of do the process that I curated of like, you know, I know you, I trust you, I've seen your play, trust me, and just jump into this script. It always works. You know, we sit down, we meet each other. I mean, some of some of these shows, like in Austin and Denver, like some of these players are literally meeting for the first time at dinner before our show at eight o'clock, and it has been fantastic. Just fantastic play, good quality improv, and you know, very proud of that and making that happen. Well, you can always make it J names plus one or J names plus True. two. You know, and our you know our main format for our home shows is our mondos, where we like ask a special guest, and that's kind of how right. I get the other people who I want to play with who don't right. have a J name, and they'll come and they'll tell monologues from their from their life, and, and then we just riff off it. And they're usually improvisers as well, so then they'll play along. But absolutely no W names, right? Why? I don't know. <laughs> what do you have against W? I am. Uh, wait. M. Watson Dodge. That's... Oh, M. Watson. Okay, so yeah. Watson's your middle name. Yeah, uh. right. Um, yeah, I I belong to a small amateur group about God, I think, I think it's about three years now, two or three years ago, doing improv. And I also took the, the a couple of classes at Portland State. And it was fun. It's hard, but it was fun. But I I had to quit because, God, I, you know, I got even older. Much I was old then. I'm much older now and practically deaf. 
And that's one thing you can't be if you're doing improv is hard of hearing because you have to hear what the other guy says so you can react. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a physical hearing it. But then there's also psychological listening, which a lot of players struggle with as well. You know, because yeah. I'm a teacher, you know, I teach, you know, at Curious Comedy Theater, I coach one of their house teams, I coach independent teams that come to me and approach me. Uh-huh. And so I've been spending a lot of time thinking about, you know, teaching improv and how do I make somebody a better improviser? Uh-huh. Like all disciplines, you know, it's really, you know, the 10,000 hours, like putting in the time, like doing it and making these things become instincts, second nature. Right. And that, you know, I can't help or speed that up, but I can attempt to yeah. point out a few things as an objective yeah. uh, directive. year um don't think twice yeah it was terrible yes i agree <laughs> i agree i mean never in my life have i watched a movie like a big movie like that that related to my life right that much i mean god it was so it was like it was kind of eerie to be like oh my gosh like yeah they're warming up and they're doing this thing and they're using this language that i like use every day and like know so well and you know and sometimes it's easy to think that nobody knows what improv is you know everybody knows what stand-up is everybody knows the storytelling it had jillian jacobs who's a good actress and it had michael berbiglia yeah i i wasn't that familiar with him but uh michael key oh yes yes yeah it was a, a very good 
comic. Yeah, he's huge. But the, the thing was terrible. And for one thing, they really weren't doing improv. It was all scripted. Yeah. So how can you do a movie about improv if you're not doing improv? Well, I mean, I'll <laughs> give him some slack on that. But what I didn't like was the sort of message at the end, which is like, hey, we did all this thing. It didn't work. Our theater got taken away from us. Are we going to continue? No, we're not. Yeah. Oh, wait, one of us made it Saturday Night Live. Right. So everybody else, you should just quit. And right. they do. They're like, yep, he made it. Yes. We didn't. We never will. Let's just quit. Let's just have a family in the suburbs. And, right. and I just was like, I don't accept this at all. And then the guy who made it, he doesn't like it either. Like, so it's like, I just I found the whole thing very discouraging. Right. Well, for one thing, if Saturday Night Live is going to pick up somebody from an improv group, you're going to do it from the groundlings or a group that's really well established, not some neighborhood outfit yeah and, i mean in the movie gonna... i mean in the world of that movie like they were you know top dogs and that was another observation i had is like this group had a weekly show that seemingly was sold out or just right. you know, like was banging yeah weekly. but for five dollars a head <laughs> i mean but still i mean like you're filling a house weekly that's impressive to me as somebody who yeah right that's unrealistic like you know that is that is a a huge accomplishment right. improv show selling out weekly right damn you know and so then like they're all like we suck we're horrible at this and i was like you are doing what i'm not able to do right. yet so be thankful or like get a day job you know, like right. this doesn't have to be your living i mean it's like hard to make improv your living and i, I don't know i had some some big problems with that movie <laughs> <laughs> well um maybe maybe you can tell us a little bit for the those who are listening in who know very little about improv, what is the process you go through when, when um, okay, you're given something like a, a location, occupation, uh, personal characteristic, whatever. How do you immediately go on the fly to portraying this particular person? I mean, it, I think it really comes down to saying yes. It, it's You have all the equipment to say yes, and once you say yes, you open a door, and the rest will just fall into place. The problem is we live in a culture of no. Like, our whole world. Yes. We, like, grow up in it. We live it. We breathe it. We eat it. You know, it's all day long. The world is telling you no. People are telling you no. And really, yourself is telling you no. And when I get a student on stage, that's the first thing I have to break down, is the culture of no. And sometimes it's referred to as the cop in your head that's telling you like not to do that thing, or that's gonna be stupid, or you're gonna fail. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as like judgment. You know, like you're judging the scene, yeah. you're judging your scene partner, you're judging yourself. And we have to get rid of that and start saying yes with every fiber of our being and improv really is just an art it just happens to be an art form that needs yes so it exposes this culture of no that we all live in so we all live right. in you know like oh, i can't wear that or i can't ask for a promotion or i can't you know uh ask for what i'm worth or like don't i mean like it's 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 incredible how much no we are digesting and so when you start doing improv and you have to forge these new paths of yes, 
it's scary, it's new, it's hard, but it gets easier. And so then once you start forging the instinct of yes, your improv gets easier. It's easier to just jump into a character or to really listen, which is a form of yes, to your scene partner and what they added to the scene, which is truth. And then you yes that and you add on to that. All of it's right there in front of you. A lot of times what's hard is when people have their own plan and they're not listening, which is right. means saying no to your scene partner. And so then they're trying to do their plan, but then the other scene partner's like trying to guess them or do their own plan, and it, it just doesn't work, you know? Right. So that's when it becomes easy. Yeah, you, you have to get into the groove that you are cooperating with mm -hmm. the other people, you are not competing with them, you are not one-upping them, mm -hmm. and... Um, and I can always tell, I can always tell when I'm watching an improv group, who's competing and who's collaborative. And it's a collaborative art form, which kind of sucks because, you know, one, it's hard to get individual recognition. And more, less and less, you know, Hollywood and, like, the big, the big wigs are looking more towards improv as a legitimate thing than it used to be just stand-up. Like, that's how you made it. But I can always tell who's out for themselves and who's throwing their scene partners under the bus. I mean, I was just in Phoenix. I was part of the International Ensemble down for the Phoenix Improv Festival. And, man, this L.A. team, this is this Herald team from UCB, and there was 14 fucking people up there. I mean, yeah. way too many. Yeah. And they all were out for themselves. Yeah. I, they were so mean. They were, like, trying to be funny. That's another thing that's horrible, is, like, just trying yeah. to be witty, trying to be funny, trying to be clever. I mean, and, it, like, just showboating and... And, you know, it was the same thing. I visited my friend in Chicago, and she's she's doing Second City I.O. thing. And we went and we just saw a whole bunch of shows. Took a long weekend in Chicago. I saw, like, six or seven shows. And it was, for the most part, the same thing, where it was not true flow of improv. It right. was people who wanted to be famous or people who wanted to showboat, and they were just cutting the scene short, cutting their scene partners short to get... To be seen, to be in front, to be like Donald Trump at that UN meeting. You know, you're just pushing people out of your way. And it, they never got there. And I was extremely disappointed to be like, wow, this is Chicago improv. This is yeah. the best improv in the world, Fatherland. Um, right. I'm, I, one show, I wanted to jump up there and help them out. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that was the other thing I learned when, when I was doing this stuff was... Don't try to be funny. No, no. And, I, you know, and that's, you know, so it's like breaking out of the culture of no. And then the second thing, and there's always like, if I have a class of 14 students, there's always two to four men, usually, that are like the funniest guy at the office. And so somebody told them to do improv because they're too scared to do stand-up. And so then they come in there and they're like... Fart joke, dick joke, like just tagging out women, not listening to anybody. They're like, they're the funny guy. And I like, they're that kind of player is actually my specialty as far as a teacher. And I will come down on that so hard. Like, I've got to break that habit down right away. Yeah. Or they'll be bad at improv forever. Yeah. And not know why. They will be <laughs> baffled why they are bad at improv. Yeah. I, I think uh, if. People are acquainted with improv. Um, it's probably through the TV program. Whose line is it anyway? Correct. I don't even know if it's on anymore because I still. It still is. It. Is it? It still is. Well, I, I got tired of it because it 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 became kind of um, uh, programmed. You know, they do the same damn games every same, same. program. Yeah. 
and and I'm pretty sure they do some rehearsing before they go out there. Well, um, you know, I actually had the opportunity to do. I've done two shows with Colin Mockery. And, yeah, and it was just an incredible honor, and I like, right. definitely had an out of body experience at Revolution Hall, like on stage in the middle of a scene that is just, just banging, you know. And yeah. I, like I and I remember being like, oh my god, I am doing a scene with Colin Mockery, like this legend, this living legend, this god of improv. Right. Like I'm doing it right now. This is it. Yeah. I mean, it was so magical. And, you know, that guy who is a satellite J name, um, Jake Ferg, he lives in Bellingham, Washington, and Ryan Stiles is from there. And so, Oh, really? Yeah. And so he opened up an improv theater in Bellingham, Washington, this tiny little town, college town. And uh, it's just, it just great improv. And right. so I had a little bit of insight into that world. And, you know, whose line is it anyway? It's short form versus long form. Right. And they do when they would tape, they would just they just do like two shows, like two really bloated shows back to back. Right. And then you know they're only using like twenty two minutes, like of a sitcom kind of time frame. But like the show would be like two hours, and so they would do like a two hour show, clear the audience, new audience, right? Two hours more, and so it's definitely like creating ten material and cutting it down to four, like taking the best four right out of the ten. So I mean. Whatever, it's short form. Yeah. People love it. Uh, it's you know, I, it, short form is fun and fast, and you know, like people love it. They just like yeah. eat it up like slop. Um, I mean, I would argue that it's you know they're doing the same game, but it's improv, so it is different. Kind. I mean, it is different. Yeah, yeah Styles and Mockery and Brady are. I mean, just tops. Chabella, like the so. Yeah, the what the. The part of the show I always hated, though, and I, I understand that Styles hates it too, were the songs, <laughs> making up the songs on the fly. Yeah, I hate, well, hate slash am afraid of musical improv. I, mean, yeah. I love it. I love watching it when it's right. good um, and clever. Uh, and and when, when it's good, it's it's like, it's just mind-blowing. Um, but most of the time, it's it's kind of like, they're not really rhyming. And, right. I mean, you're singing, and okay, good job. Um, you know, Curious does a great yeah. musical show called Pipes, and so it's about 45 minutes, and they will improvise an entire musical, and it is impressive. The guy who um, shuts off the lights when the, when... When he figures the uh, <laughs> the skit is done, yeah, is that is that part of the group? Or? Usually not. <laughs> I mean, some groups have like a tech person, like a technical improviser. Yeah, you know, Minnesota and other short form theaters. Like, there's a guy Chase Padgett. He grew up in Orlando. Like, that's very much a part of the show. Is uh -huh. the technical improviser what they're putting on the screen, what music they're doing, what they're putting on the like the sound effects, the sound design really, uh -huh. and being quick and fast. You know, like all of that is intricate. It doesn't super exist here in Portland. Right. And when you know. I'm working with my tech, whoever the tech is, at a festival, at the show, at, you know, whoever I've gotten to volunteer uh, for shows that I produce. Yeah, it's like, you know, hey, I want to do a 25 to 30 minute set, start looking for a button around 25 minutes. You know, uh -huh. and like, and I, if I'm making it happen and it's my volunteer and I know who this person is, I usually, 99% of the time, have chosen somebody I trust. Like, they have the heart of an improviser. Right. They know how to use the technical equipment and they, they know when to pull the show when it's time. Right. It's also not uncommon for J names like myself or any one of the other players. Like if that was it, if that was the moment. Like we could just be like, "Hey, that's our show," and then it's over. You know, and then uh -huh. then all they have to do is like pump up the music and 
and we're good to go. Yeah. It's so hard to say I love you when you're sitting on my face. I can tell you what I'm thinking of you if you just sit some other place for just a moment. Just a breath of air Just a little change of pace Cause it's so hard To say I love you When you're sitting on my face Oh, I could say Yes, it's so hard 
here in Portland um, at least one uh, comedy festival like uh, the, the Bridgetown mm -hmm. and it's all stand-up yeah do you yeah. Think, think there'll ever be a improv comedy festival well there is an improv comedy there festival. is it's called Stumptown Improv and uh, improv festival and this is their third no fourth year so in August is their fourth year and they just got picked up at Artist Repertory Theater? Yeah, not the oh, artist, really? but the artist. So they've been there, and then uh -huh. partnered with the Artist Repertory Theater. And it's a great little festival. It's only three nights, and there's about 20 or so acts, uh -huh. and you know, people submit from all around. It's more local groups, and uh, the who, organizers... Who runs it? Yeah, it's Jed Arkley, who's a J name, and Leon Anderson, top three improviser Portland, for sure. And then Aaron O'Regan are the three founders, and they're the organizers, and... You know, and, and it's wonderful. It's great. It's this fun August thing that happens now every year. Will the J names be in it? J names was in last year. We are eagerly awaiting to see if we were accepted uh, oh, this year. Um, I assume we will be, uh, but I assume. Is there a big national one? Uh, a big national improv festival? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's several. I mean, you know, there, and there's a lot of Canadian ones. Because, see, Canada has it right, where they support the arts, like uh -huh. a, a concept. Yeah. So they support the arts, but they also, like in particular, when it comes to improv, improv is huge in Canada. It is... Uh, you well, know, that's where mockery's from. Yes, we're calling mockery's from. And every high school student in all of Canada does improv. Like, oh. in the sense that, like, every high school student, you know, does PE in America. Right. Like, it's just a program. It's sort of, like, I, I, what I understand it is, to, is like, a class or maybe, like, an after-school thing. Or so, some sort of program that, for at least two or three years of a Canadian high school experience, like, they're doing improv. Is there, is there some purpose to that? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because, I mean, you know, getting kind of back to that point that I made before, you know, we live in a culture of no. And if you start doing improv and you love it and you stick with it, your life will change. Like your mentality and how you approach the world with a yes attitude versus a no attitude changes everything. And it, it sounds very big and very kind of hippy-dippy, but it is very true. Uh -huh. And so Canada, I believe, understands this. And America is pretty slow to it, and also the business world is pretty slow to it, but it's actually becoming more and more prevalent, and it's called the applied improv or applied improv as like leadership skills corporate trainings there's a whole other world of improv principles being brought to corporate environments as trainings and as presentations ted talks things like that that are using these principles to help them in their business and their uh -huh. world and self-help and like all these other areas and so i think canada is very hip to that right. of like listening communication skills saying yes like all of these things are just good for society good for people and their own journey as persons so they make it part of this high school experience 
everybody kind of learns it, knows what it is, enjoys it. And so then some people move on and they never do it again, but they know what improv is and they go and they see shows. Right. So, you know, I've been doing, you know, I'm, I've been doing Vancouver Improv Festival for a couple of years now. I just got accepted to be in the Edmonton uh, Rapid Fire Theater, their Improvaganza Theater, which was a big accomplishment for me. And, you know, like, I've overheard these conversations of these Canadian improvisers who were like, ugh, you know, we just, we moved to our, you know, a, a new venue of 1,200 seats, and we only sold 800, boo! <laughs> we're going back to our 600-seat venue where we sell out every month. And I was like, what? You were selling out a 600-seat venue every month? Yeah, but then we didn't this time. Ugh. And I was like, I'm going to slap you. I, I am breaking my back to get 40 fucking people to come to my improv show, which is of the highest quality that you're going to find in Portland. My show is the best improv show in Portland, and I can't get 40 people to come. You know, know, I'm doing everything I can and all the producer tricks I can to make it successful and happen and banging, you know. Well, given that experience, um, (laughs) is, is this a good business to be in? No comment. (laughs) I mean, I love it. I'll never stop doing it. I believe in myself. You know, I love improv. I also do other things. Like, I've done one-man shows. I'm working on a book. I'm, you know, like, I believe that my career will continue and go beyond Portland improv. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the path that I'm on. And, you know, someday I could just... Do a show in Cincinnati or do a show in Portland. Like, whatever I do, like, wherever I go, if I want to put together a show somewhere, I believe that enough people will know me to show up. Or, like, it is of a high quality. It's like, oh, I know James uh-huh. Llewellyn. He's doing, oh, he's in town. He's going to do, like, an improv show. Well, yeah, let's check it out. Like, I, I believe that that's totally possible. Yeah. Do you think you'll have to leave town? <laughs> I mean, everybody says that. Everybody's <clears throat> like, oh, you got to go to L.A. You got to go to New York. You got to go to Chicago. And I, uh-huh. I, I've definitely watched... People go, and I love when people leave Portland because I become a bigger fish. You know, like there's less people in my way, and like more chance of like helium to hire me because they're just there's just not enough talent in Portland, yeah. and you know because of Portlandia and like the gentrification and like kind of like just just what's happening in Portland. There's more and more opportunities here. There's more and more eyes who are looking at Portland for like outside talent. And I think that's just behooved me uh, to be in Portland. I'm a Portland native. I, you know, like I, one, I don't want to live anywhere else. Goddamn. And two, you know, it's like it, there's sort of this like exotic quality. You know, I right. think like you know, I have a good submission tape for J names, but I think like Portland, Oregon, being like in our bio is also very helpful. Right. So. There's like a kitsch right now. So like I'm trying to like ride it as long as it'll go. All right. So um, I know that J Names has a web page. Do you have your own oh, web page? Oh, of course. Jflewelling.com. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you can see all my videos that I produce, you know, because I like, you know, I did like some hump videos. They were right. best in humor the last two years. And Well, I, you better you better spell that last name because nobody. Oh, that's it. true. This Welsh name is so difficult. <laughs> so it's J-J-Y and then Flewelling, F-L-E-W-E-L-L-I-N-G, jflewelling.com. And uh, it'll just pull you up. Um, you know, that's my site and it has a link to J names. Yeah. It has a list of all the shows that I'm doing in town or like, a, you know, wherever. Yeah. And 
you know, all my credentials, performance history, like my podcast, all the things, all the things, Jay, that you want right. to know. It's all there. What does fluoring mean in, in Welsh? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know that it used like, to be, uh, the F was an L, because like in the Welsh language, I had a Welsh yeah. professor once who right. said it correctly, and I, yeah. I cannot repeat it. <laughs> yeah, but, there's, there's a, a double D, I think. It, it's spoken as a bilateral lisp, like uh, Daffy Duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's he you know he was Welsh and you know like an, an expat, and so he right away was like, oh, you're Welsh, and I was like, yeah, and I'm actually yeah. Welsh on both sides. So really, my father is Fluelling, and then my mother is Thistlethwaite. Oh uh, yes, and so I'm I'm very very English. Yes, uh, my mother was a Davis, so that's definitely Welsh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and one other thing. Um, are you associated with the, the Hump Film Festival or just the advertising? Well, uh, <laughs> just the advertising. I, um, I mean, I love Hump. Uh, it's such a great opportunity for a comedian to make a short, like a comedic short, and be a part of a festival. And, and it pays really well. Oh, yeah? Uh, much more, I mean, because I'm not like a film person. I love making film, yeah. and I'm pretty good at like putting all the elements together and producing a really good short, and I'm also a very good editor. Uh, you know, and so like two years ago, my buddy asked me to produce his film. I did it. We won Best of Humor, really great. And then I had an idea, and then I made my hump film, and so I won Best of Humor on my own. Which it just felt really great, and because of that association and kind of getting to know some of the producers of Hump, there was a you know like, hey, do you want to do this photo shoot for the ads? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, yeah. free professional photography, <laughs> yes. Uh, and so just did it, and you know I. I'm afraid to go to it because I fear people will be pointing at me and saying, "Oh, it's that dirty old man." Oh, you yeah. It's actually it's a really positive experience to go to it, it um, because they they really take time to one be you know sex positive and like yeah. you know there's something for everyone and and then like in the films that they select there there's you know there's straight there's gay there's lesbian yeah. there's solo there's kink there I mean like yeah. there's everything <laughs> and you really like end up leaving kind of feeling like really good about yourself like it might me personally you know i'm like oh wow i'm i'm pretty vanilla well if, if you can get into it it sells out weeks in oh advance. my god yeah and so so you get into the festival as a filmmaker and they they're so great the prizes are super good and really i mean like there's best of show which is five thousand dollars there is best kink best sex best humor and those are each two thousand now uh -huh. and then there is the jury's choice which is just a thousand dollars of the people who selected the film like you know what do you want and then just for being you may not win any of those prizes which i did of course but you are a you get a percentage of the proceeds of the film that goes on tour and it's getting bigger and bigger and they're adding more and more so I mean, it's on tour right now and like my friend who lives in chicago and she's the director of my winning short you know she was able to go to the screening in chicago and they found out that the director was there and they you know they asked her to stand up and you know like by then we had already won and so the audience was like you know this is the winner the director of the winner of this like uh, it was just the magical moment uh -huh. love hump love it love dan savage Right. <laughs> oh, where's he from, by the way? Seattle. So, Seattle. like, yeah, Hump was just right. this tiny, itty bitty thing 16 years ago right. in Seattle, and then it kind of slowly expanded to Portland. And now, I mean, it's worldly. Like, they take ex they take submissions from all over the world, uh -huh. and uh, but the voting, the people who vote on the winners, which is audience, is only 
Portland, Olympia, Seattle. Oh. Yeah, so okay. that's, that's how they stay local. So given that, and given uh, the number of venues around town for, for stand-up and for improv, would you say that Portland's a pretty good comedy town? Oh, yeah. The comedy scene is, like, up and coming. We're still, like, quote-unquote, known as a music town, or, like, this is where you go see shitty bands. And, I yeah. mean, like, that's at least what all of our <laughs> press, like, is stuck in their head right. about. And if they delve into comedy, it's only helium, and it's only stand-up, and it's usually just, like, out-of-towners, so it's not, like, the local scene. A lot of our big local stand-ups have actually moved on, which is a smarter move for them. Right. Um, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's up and coming. I mean, like I've gone to I've I've gone to Denver, I've gone to Austin. I've like seen and checked out other improv and comedy scenes for the cities that I go to, um, and we're on par with Denver. We're on par uh, with Austin. You uh -huh. know, like a, just a little brother to Austin, but like we're I mean we're there. There's right. there's seven comedy theaters. Uh, one just opened up, and or actually two just opened up, and. It, it might be the tipping point of like now the market's saturated. Like those those two new theaters might right. might have broken the bank. Uh, <laughs> um, but I wish them luck. Actually, I don't care. But it's also a pretty good incubator. Huh? Oh yeah, uh, I mean like Amy Miller. You know, she was from San Francisco, I think, but then moved to Portland and got all kinds of opportunities and all kinds of stage time and developed as a comedian and then moved on. I doubt she would have gotten those opportunities if she'd stayed in San Francisco, yeah. you know, or, you know, as, you know, that's okay. my theory. Well, San Francisco comics, you hear that? Come on up. <laughs> no, stay. <laughs> what are you talking No. Tonight's presentation, Quiet Flows the Willamette. It began as just another night at Kebu. Ani was rehearsing the volunteer crew for yet another membership drive. All right, put down those Kebu bagels and listen to me, you worthless little shits. You're going to get us some needed financial support or so help me, I'll take this little station off the air. You hear me or you want this whip to do the talking. Ken was discarding rotting bowls of emoji greens and unicorn stew from the refrigerator, while Tom busied himself building a new 400,000 watt clear channel transmitter so that Kebu broadcasts could be heard in both Bangkok, Thailand, and Tigard, Oregon. Let's see, tab X goes into slot Y. Where the hell is slot Y? There's no way of interpreting these ridiculous directions. Damn, I knew we shouldn't have gotten this freaking Fenska Bjornstrand model transmitter kit from Ikea. I was in the Kebu kitchen getting a cup of chamomile tea. All we had left to drink until sufficient receipts from the next membership drive came in, and we could get some coffee. I was listening to the radio, Kebu naturally. Me, I'm Larry. Rolf was at the master control board, working off a top ramen hangover while opening his monthly Yubu Radio Theater Hour. Despite the late hour, he planned on getting into one of the production studios after the show to edit one of his famous and ridiculously popular five-hour sketches for a future Yubu broadcast. 
Welcome to another hour of anti-establishment news, features, humors, adventures, and all kinds of terrific shit on tonight's Uru Radio Theater Hour. I'm Rolf, Rolf Sempribon. I'm here with our favorite co-host, Becky. Few people know the real reason why his Ubu sketches are so long, that they contain hundreds of coded messages for the Portland area underground Trump resistance. Before we begin tonight's theatrical presentations, we have a report on the Pacific Northwest Regional Flatulation Finals held last weekend at the Mount Airy, Washington Tutatorium, where Breezy McFarterson of Stenchfield, Idaho, took this year's first place trophy, a stimulated bronze representation of a turd sitting on a whoopee cushion. It was presented by an officer of the NCCF, the National Consortium of Competitive Farters. Becky? This is a competition for which dozens of grossly overweight athletes prepare months in advance, stuffing their bodies day after day with jars of sauerkraut, drums of Boston baked beans, dozens of burritos, and gallons of gallons of beer while greasing their colons with tube after tube of Preparation H, all in a bid to build a competitive edge. Oh wait, contestants are judged on tone, vibrato, harmonics, aroma, and a degree of embarrassment. Here's a recording of last week's winning tiebreaker. Local champion McFarterson will now head to the West Regional Semifinals in Skidmark, New Mexico next week. Whomever wins that competition then goes to the National Championships in Chicago. They don't call it the Windy City for nothing, folks. With the survivors of that contest heading to the Cabbage Fields of Ireland for the World Cup matchups. Aaron, we're live on mic. What are you doing in here? I've just begun our show. <sighs> Rolf, we need to talk. Again. You know how I've repeatedly warned you about putting programs in bad taste on the air and how you need to curb the pointed humor now that Trump has taken over control of the FCC? Well, we got a call this evening from the Gestrumpo, Trump's secret police. You mean Trump's Stoppo? No, no, that's a different organization. It's the one that runs the Oregon Lottery now. Trump's giving us a final warning, and that was before you began airing this show about the so-called flatulation derby, which we both know isn't something real. Sorry, Aaron. I didn't want to do this sketch, but you know how handsome and persuasive Rolf is. Yeah, I know. He's got all the women and half the men at KB in his thrall. A regular Count Chocula, he is. Aaron, whatever happened to KB being the bulwark of free speech? Whatever happened to our sense of humor? And whatever happened to irony? For that matter, whatever happened to Bernie Sanders? Lord, how I miss him. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw some movement out on the street. I put down my cup and raced back to the control room. Quick, we've all got to make a run for it. What's up, Larry? It's the Trump Stormtroopers, the Waffen Gastrumpo. They're on to us. Somebody must have ratted us out, or else they were actually listening to the radio. They're at the front door right now, preparing to break it down. I'll see if I can hold them off. I think we've got a few bagels left from the last membership drive, if the volunteers haven't eaten them all. Maybe I can tempt our unwelcome Donnie Boy visitors with some of those. Uh, I think we have some slightly moldy cream cheese and maybe that three-week-old pizza. It's too dangerous. We need to get out of here. Come with us. Here comes Linda. She's carrying Martin, the congenial, though very old Ubu writer. What are we doing? 
Escaping! You guys need to get out of here, too! Do we have time to burn all those scripts we haven't broadcast yet? No! We'll have to eat them on the way out! I hope everyone has followed my example and printed theirs on spring roll rice wrappers. Makes them not only much more edible, but actually delicious. Quick, head for the secret Kebu passageway. Oh my god, there's a secret passage? Yes, Martin. I guess no one informed you. There's a trap door in the music library under the shelf that holds the CDs of 1950s cocktail music. It opens into a tunnel that exits through the toilet in the men's room of the Doug Fur Lounge. I-I don't know that I want to escape that bad. Yes, you do. You don't know what these Trump people are capable of. Once we're in the lounge, we'll head for the Safeway house. What's the Safeway house? A secret place where we can hide. Where is it? Get to the Safeway supermarket on Hawthorne. Crawl under the cold beer counter, then take the secret elevator 12 floors down. Come on, let's get the hell out of here. Street. Anyone want an almost new urinal cake? I got diverted going through the sewer pipe. Hit the urinal instead of the toilet. Looks like the Waffen Gastrumpo have got the streets blocked. They're stopping all cars with Hillary or Bernie bumper stickers, pulling the drivers out and beating the crap out of them. Yes, they're also checking birth certificates of anyone who looks like a hipster, a Muslim, or an Afro-American ex-president. We'll have to hoof it over to, to Hawthorne. Apparently, I've picked the wrong week to quit using my cane and begin pushing a walker. You guys go on without me. I'm, I'm only slowing you down. No, we're leaving no one behind. Someday you can tell us how you ever got that walker through those little holes in the urinal. For now, everybody stay in the shadows. I never thought it would come to this. I did. I knew it the first time I saw Jeb Bush try to laugh off one of Trump's insults in those Republican primary debates. It was like watching a skunk dispatch a dormouse. There's a helicopter with a searchlight up there above us. Quick, hide under these trees. How will we ever make it over to Hawthorne without being seen? I've got an idea. My brightly colored shawl is an extra-large imprint of the AIDS quilt. Everyone get under it, and they'll think we're a dragon from the Chinese New Year's parade. I'll be the head. The hell you will, Aaron. Get out of my way. I'm the one who's the expert on dragon feng shui. Damn it, Larry. You're always the dragon's head. Hey, everybody knows I can't pass for the dragon's ass. And I suppose the rest of us can. Come on, get under the shawl and let's get in step here. It's working. We fooled them. We fooled them. The helicopters. Look out. Ah, they got me. They're throwing water balloons. I should have known we'd never pass for a dragon. <sighs> Death is just like I thought it would be. Nothing more than a page out of a very dark comic book. <sighs> Poor guy, he's gotten water in his ears. Shorted out his hearing aids, most likely. There's no other way. We've got to leave him behind and hope he doesn't talk. He won't if he can't hear their questions. So what took you guys so long? Becky, how did you get here so fast? 
I ducked through the alternate B tunnel, the one that starts out on the bottom paper tray of the Xerox machine and exits through the men's room toilet at Le Pigeon Restaurant. Hey, how come we always have to escape through the men's room toilets? What about the ladies' room toilets? It feels sexist to me. Relax, gang. It's only Ken Jones, our demolitions expert. Where have you been? I, I, I got delayed. It took me a little time to guide a car bomb into a gas strumple assault vehicle. You drove the car? You're a hero! Oh, heavens no. <laughs> I don't do well with explosions. Too damn loud for my ears. No, I got one of the station's crash test dummies to volunteer. We sealed and strapped some 12-week-old hummus from the refrigerator onto your bicycle, Rolf. Stuck a fuse in it and got the dummy to pedal hard. The explosion was pretty powerful. Ejected the dummy over the handlebars. For a minute there, it looked like he was going to get away. But when he tried to run, he was cut down by the stormtrooper ladies' auxiliary, wielding gymnastic ribbon sticks. Poor dummy. We'll schedule a commemorative show thanking him for his services. What's the plan here? The plan is to fight back, to never give up. We will fight them in the landing zones, fight them on the beaches, fight them on the streets, on the max, uh, in the Rose Garden, and even in the Widmer Brothers Brewery. Wherever there is injustice, we'll be there. Wherever people long for freedom, we'll be there. Wherever people are thirsty. I mean, what's the plan for tonight? Hit them hard, hit them early, hit them often, and hit them hard. Or did I already say that? Hit them with what? Anything hard, like those bagels you mentioned earlier. The ones left over from the last membership drive. You can sail those babies like frisbees and they'll easily shatter a helmet or decapitate a stormtrooper. Too late. Ani's starving volunteers ate them all. Hey, listen. It's on the radio. The Trump people have taken over Kabu. You're tuned to 90.7 radio station KBOO-FM in Portland, Oregon. Now broadcasting under the auspices of Great America Incorporated, Donald J. Trump, CEO, and now one hour of easy listening followed by Sean Hannity News Hour. We begin our musical extravaganza with some top hit from the Lawrence Welk Orchestra. No, no, not Myron Florin, not the lovely Lennon sisters. Larry Hooper, give me a fucking break. Oh, God, it's even worse than I thought it could ever be. What next? Dick Clark's rockin' New Year's Eve? They're here! Yes, we're here! The Gastrumpo! Everybody against the wall! Cable traitors! You're all under arrest! On what charges? Oh! Ow! Is that really necessary? Shut up! And don't be such sissy puss! I only slapped you with a Ted Cruz sock puppet. Didn't you hear me? The charge is treason, as well as excessive rowdiness, illegal use of plumbing for escape purposes, being a bunch of left-wing radical douchebags, and putting a lot of unfunny satire on the radio that turns our hallowed leader, Generalissimo Big Hair, the great Donald, into a pouty little bitch. That's something we troopers definitely don't want to have to put up with. Coffin boys. This is not the end. God bless America. Rolf, I thought you were an atheist. There are no atheists in Safeway houses, Larry. Well, here we are, wherever it is. I've never ridden in a gas strumpo assault vehicle before. They're surprisingly comfy, even when handcuffed. What is this place? 
Are you kidding? It's the KBU radio facilities. I didn't recognize it. Looks like they've torn all the posters and notices down, thrown out the dead plants, cleaned the coffee machine, and painted the place. That was fast. I have to say it looks a lot better. March them into the back room. Whoa! Do my eyes deceive me? Donald Trump, what are you doing here, Trump? Are you responsible for this criminal raid, this big mess you've created tonight? To be honest, I inherited a mess. It's a mess. At home and abroad. A mess. The way you're treating us, people would think we're terrorists. ISIS has spread like cancer. Another mess I inherited. But we're not ISIS terrorists, we're KBU Radio. In other words, the media is trying to attack our administration because they know we are following through on pledges that we made, and they're not happy about it for whatever reason. Really? You're wrong, Trump. When we do cover you in our news and editorial presentations, it's about the insanity your administration has brought down on the heads of the American people. That was like the story they wrote about the women and me. Front page, big, massive story. And it was nasty. The tone is such hatred. It's all fake news. It's all fake news. We have begun the monumental task of returning the government back to the people on a scale not seen in many, many years. Safety. We are saving American lives every single day. The hell is she doing with that cheap plastic button? That's Becky, and she's trying to button up her cheap sweater. We're poor people who can't afford the kind of clothes that billionaires like you and Ivanka wear. I suppose now you're going to waterboard all of us, aren't you? I don't want to be one of these guys that say, yes, uh, here's what we're going to do. Why are you detaining us and treating us so badly? So I know when you're telling the truth or when you're not. How about if we get the truth from you for a change? None of that alternative truth crap. We've heard that you're doing away with Bush's New World Order and replacing it with something even worse, some new kind of order. As far as the new order... Uh, but we're tailoring it now to the decision. We have some of the best lawyers in the country working on it. You spent some time with Marco Rubio last week. Does that mean you'll be invading Cuba? About Cuba, Cuba, about Cuba, Cuba, about Cuba, Cuba. There's also rumor that you slept with Rubio's mistress. When, when did you decide to go after that woman who's famous for her 48-inch D-cup bus? When I first heard about it... Did you have a good time, asshole? Now that's what I call a nice question. She was... Always the highest quality that you'll ever find. I'm really not a bad person, by the way. Wasn't Rubio sore about that? I didn't talk to him ever, and he thought it was a joke. I won. I won. And no one questioned you about your actions? Can you imagine if I received the questions? It would be the electric chair. Do you consider banging a senator's wife a productive use of your presidential power? I would say far more productive than you would understand. Any truth to the report that you may use nuclear weapons on ISIS? Oh, I'm working on it. I was giving, I've actually, I've seen that information around. I said, huh, that doesn't sound wrong. My counsel came. The public isn't, you know, they read newspapers, they see television, they watch. They don't know if it's true or false. Nobody talks about that. We are going to attack Mosul in four months. We are going to attack Mosul in one month. Next week, we are going to attack Mosul. That makes no sense at all. What qualifies an idiot like you to be a president? 
fact, I've watched uh, various programs and I've read various articles. But I know what's good. I know what's bad. What are your plans for Kebu? The Gastrumpo will be improving station operations. Better news and features. You will see. Again, I say it. There has never been a presidency that's done so much in such a short period of time. Kebu listeners from now on will get news and information as reliable as Fox News and consider that an order from Lord High Potus. It will be a whole new conversation. Really, really productive conversation. What the hell? They, they can't, can't do, do that. that. Come, oh, on, come on. on. That's, that's stupid. Come on. Come on. That's on. Hey. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Not good. Not good. Not good. Not good. Go ahead. That's not great. That's not great. I hope you're all happy. Your incessant jabber is making President Trump nervous, and he's decided to leave now. Steve will join you in a moment. Steve? I want to thank everybody very much. It's a great honor to be with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. I am the least anti-Semitic person that you've ever seen in your entire life. Thank you, Mr. President. Have a nice trip back to Washington. Good evening, folks. Everybody take a seat. Kellyanne, bring these good folks some beer and three-week-old pizza and remove their cuffs. Steve Bannon? The one and only. And you're the cable crowd. I've been following your exploits for years. Gathering information you can use to hang us, right? Au contraire, mon frère. We of the New America Underground have long admired your principled stands on progressive issues and your work to make the world, or at least a small, mostly wet part of it here in the Northwest, a better place. We've often wanted to congratulate you, but naturally we couldn't risk revealing ourselves as the lefties we really are. You mean you're really not a fascist pig? No, that was just my cover. We were constantly being watched by Limbaugh, Beck, the Tea Party, so we all had to pretend to be people we're not. We were working to bring down the fascist right and reform the Republican Party. Once we got Trump elected, it was only a matter of time. Trump is a secret progressive? Absolutely not. He's a crazy asshole, but he worked into our plan perfectly, leading us right into the Oval Office. Right now, he's sedated and on his way back to Washington, where he'll soon be roaming with John Hinckley in the psycho ward at St. Elizabeth's Hospital. Melania will be sitting in as president after we get rid of Pence. But what are you doing here? You know better than anyone in the country how destructive both political parties have been to America ever since Roosevelt died. The Cold War put us on the path to a permanent garrison state run by the Pentagon, the CIA, NSA, FBI, and the rest of the federal alphabet agencies. The whole ball of shit being supervised and financed by the defense contractors. But you know all that. You've seen all of our Stone movies. But Kebu? We've long known the Ubu Radio Theater has been a massive pillar on the front porch of freedom, passing secret coded messages to the Northwest Resistance Movement. That's the kind of valuable service we need to make our people's revolution a success. What will you have us do? 
Before we can have truly free, intelligent elections in this country, we've got to re-educate our voters and leaders on basic principles of good civics, equal rights under the law, clean government, and the golden rule. You're going to produce the kind of news and information that will make America great as never before. Makes me proud to be an American woman. He's been shot. No, it's just another transistor blowing in the control panel. (laughs) 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 That's Kebu for you. I can't can't believe you've taken this complete about-face and reeled yourself as a liberal, Bannon. You actually believed all that crap I was spouting? (laughs) You mean you were lying? Me? Lie? Hey, it's what I do. Of course I was just pulling your legs. Me, a liberal? You've got to be crazy. Though we really are taking down Trump. I was merely distracting you while we shot your station manager. But why? Why do you do evil things like that? Taking down Trump? What's so evil about that? Nothing. Larry Mint, why do you do evil things like lying to us and shooting mild-mannered station managers who are secretly superheroes? Vulnerable superheroes, I might add. Troopers, take these people away. Get them ready for loading onto the slave galleys of tomorrow. Everyone, run for it! You can run, but you can't hide, Bon Bon. We know where you'll be at 90.7 FM on your digital readout, cable radio, wherever it relocates. Folks, keep old glory flying high and help us keep our control room in working shape, wherever it may be. Become a member of KBOO for just a few bucks. Once you do, and once the overworked office gnomes have finished manufacturing them, we'll send you a genuine atomic Rolf Semperbone secret bone bone decoder ring that will make you privy to the hidden coding messages he sent to the Northwest Resistance Group on each broadcast of the Ubu Radio Theater. Tonight's presentation, Quiet Flows the Willamette, was a production of the M. Watson Dodge Writing Salon and Barbershop. Our voice talent was... Uh, Aaron Yankee. Cat Meow. Tom. Larry. M. Watson. Rolf. Everybody's heard about the bird. The bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. The bird is a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. Well, the bird is a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. Well, the bird is a winner. Well, the bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, the bird, bird, bird. Well, the bird is a winner. Well, the bird, bird. The bird's a winner. Well, don't you know about the bird? Well, everybody knows that the bird is a winner. Well, the bird.
Makes me proud to be an American woman.